Good morning. Happy Easter. Wow, what happened? Let's try it again. Good morning. How is everybody? Happy Easter. Now that's the Pentecostal church. All right. If you would stand to your feet. I love Easter. Easter is all about hope. It is why we celebrate because we have hope. Can we do something even before we read scripture? And I felt like I should have done this in the first, but I really want to do it here. Could we just begin to give a praise offering to the Lord? Shout as loud as you can and just take a minute and just thank him. Now we can get started. This feels right. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can follow on the screen. If you do not, if you have your Bibles, we will be uh, reading from Luke 24, 1 through 12 in the NIV version this morning. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told, told all of these Things to the eleven and to all the others. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying for themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible opportunity that we get to share Easter with each other and with you. We pray, God, that you would speak to every life, every situation, every place in our lives that appears to be dead. For things don't have to remain the same because you are the God of the resurrection. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. I love Easter. I love when... Do we have anybody wearing hats today? No hats? Anybody break out there? Thank you. One. Yes, yeah, stand up. I love the hats. Hey. Uh, anybody break out their favorite t-shirt? Couple people. Uh, listen, I, I knew this was setting a bad precedent. So take a picture that I'm not going to wear this every Sunday. This is when you know your wife dresses you. <laughs> so I, I love Easter. I love what it represents. It's one, for me, it's really pressure filled because we've got guests and we've got people coming to hear this Easter message. And how do you take 30 minutes? You hope it's 30 minutes, 30 minutes and take something that all eternity is going to talk about. 
That this is, I mean, it, it separates time and it, it's, it's going to be spoken about in eternity. The stock market even closed down for this. This is a big deal. Even the world recognizes that this is something special. So I wanted to read a couple of quotes. And then I, there's a, a guest that I wanted to, to talk about in just a minute. Billy Graham said, without the resurrection, the cross is meaningless. Will you bring my phone to me? So Billy Graham said, without the resurrection, the cross is meaningless. Thank you. This is, uh, this is a, a missionary or uh, an evangelist to Macedonia, Philip Ivanov. And this is what he said. Our problem is that we expect love without pain, maturity without obedience, progress without effort, blessing without struggle, salvation without patience, and resurrection without death. But there is none without the other. The, the need of the resurrection was because of the cross and the power of the cross is manifested, is shown through the power of the resurrection. And so this morning we celebrate a risen king. This is what I would say. The cross is the biblical picture of love. If you want to see a picture of love, you look at the cross, the empty tomb and the resurrection are God's biblical picture for hope. When we look at an empty tomb, we believe that God can do anything and there is nothing that is impossible for him. Before we get into the message, I did want to recognize somebody. Terrence Herrick is here. He had gone to basic training, gone into the military. And I can still remember, as we get into the message, I'm, on, I'm going to come back to this. But I can still remember here at the altar praying for him and God giving a word that said, God is about to bring realignment to your life. He's about to realign your life. And very often when God begins to bring realignment... People who know us well or people who don't understand begin to critique and criticize the direction God has called us. All right. That's what a lot of people do because they don't understand that God has this plan that he is working out. And I asked Katie just to kind of give me some background on what happened as Terrence went and he had to go to basic training and things like this. And this is what she said. He was picked as the leader of his platoon, 50 privates, was an honor, honor grad at his turning green ceremony, was awarded an army achievement medal for having the highest PT score in the entire company, 200 privates, talked regularly uh, to his young men about Christ, marriage, and just how to do life well. Many from his platoon were attending church by the end of basics simply because they saw his commitment to going every week and followed suit. He was dad to the unfathered, friend to the outcast, mentor to any who were willing to learn. He was called tank for his strength and gazelle for his speed and agility. Man, I hope that somebody says that about me. <laughs> he lived day in and day out with lost young men from all over the country and was universally respected despite the many struggles that he had to be. He was away from his family and, of course, the, the difficult conditions. He had regular opportunities to admit he was wrong, hear different perspectives, and allow the otherwise ignored to be heard. Many didn't seem to change. Others grew in big ways. He has no doubt, however, that all seed was planted in their lives. This is the essence of Christianity. <laughs> Terrence, where are you? Stand up. All right, he don't need all that. Y'all can sit down. 
So, you know, it's, it, it goes back to our young adult days and he was one of the first couples that I married. I was there when uh, his dad was dying and he led his dad to the Lord. Um, proud of you. Proud of you. So let's go to verse, uh, Luke 24 verse one. And I, I think we have a tendency to read through scripture sometimes and not really unpack what's going on. How many know that we've been in Luke for uh, a year and a half, literally almost a year and a half. So if you're a guest, congratulations, you're coming to the close next week is the last week of Luke. And we will be reintroducing or introducing a series, um, about, um, Thoughts from Luke in May. And so we're going to revisit Luke. (laughs) Yeah, we're joking. We're joking. So in verse one, we find that the women are going to the tomb and Sabbath has ended. For those who don't know what Sabbath is, it, it was a day set aside to honor God, to remember that God had brought Israel out of bondage from Egypt. It was a time of reflection, a time of worship, a time just to to set aside. It would be a great idea, American church, to practice Sabbath. Put away your social media, put away your phones, cut off your TV, and just sit back. Enjoy God and your family and your friends and enjoy what God has provided for us. So that's what's happening. Sabbath has ended. Now they're carrying spices to the grave, right? How many know they're carrying spices to the grave because they're going to anoint the body of Jesus? Because at this time they think his body is beginning to decompose. And that is why they're carrying it. So as we unpack this verse, we're understanding a couple of things. First of all, they fully expected to find a dead body in the tomb. Jesus is dead. And they're going to... To place spices on his body. Now, if you're planning uh, to, to rob a body, you don't plan on taking spices. If you think there's some kind of plan to remove his body out, you're not taking spices. So they weren't there to hide the body. They weren't there to, to steal the body. They were there to anoint the body. I love this because in this culture, women were ineligible to give legal witness in the first century. So basically what that means is men did not listen to women in that era. Very much like today, I I would say. No, I'm just kidding. That's that's a bad joke. And remember how Jesus turned the, the, the religious system upside down. Right? He would talk to the outcast. He would talk to the marginalized. He would minister to those that the religious would not. He would lay hands on the sick. He would lay hands on the leprous. He would do things that nobody else would. He would hang out with sinners and tax collectors. This is the kind of God that we serve. And so by choosing them, first he was saying this. The gospels were saying, if, if, if we were creating a fable or a lie or a story that's fabricated, women would, wouldn't have been the ones that went to the tomb. It would have been men. Because it wouldn't have been received well. And yet the gospel chooses women to be the first ones to find the resurrection of Jesus. It, it established the dignity of women in this moment in first century church. Verses two through four, the women get there. 
And they are really shocked. So uh, a rich man had actually purchased the tomb of Jesus. So it was built into the rock. It had been carved out of the rock. And so they, they showed up and they looked and they looked inside and they don't see his body. And they are so overwhelmed by this situation. I don't know what they were thinking, but they fully expected to see Jesus there. He's not there. And they're shocked and they're surprised. They could, they could see that something had happened that uh, momentous something because there were legal, there were uh, royal guards there. Um, it, it, this was just beyond what they were expecting. And then they recognize that there are angels there and they fall to their face. How many know that there's a real spiritual world? Some of you guys may not believe that there, there are times when we're ministering or there are times when we're praying for somebody and you can feel the change in atmosphere because God moves in. And there are other times when you're around evil or something evil and you feel the hair on your arms stick up and you feel the hair on the back of your neck stick up. And it is like a change in barometric pressure in that area. There's a real, there's a natural world and there's a spiritual world and it is very real. And so we find them, they fall to their face because heaven has arrived in the form of an angel and the angels have these words and this is what they say. The women are terrified and this is what, what the angels say. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you why he was still with you in Galilee. Son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Jesus had been telling them this for six months. Remember when Jesus, when, when Jesus said uh, to Peter, I'm going to have to be crucified. And Peter said, no, you're not. That's not what you're supposed to do. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for you don't have the plans of God, but you have the plans of man. They knew, but they could not comprehend that this was actually going to take place. And for me, this is the biggest I told you moment in all of scripture. Right. If I would have been Jesus, I would have been there. I told you, I told you I was going to rise from the dead, but he allows angels to do this for him. And, and, and he says, why the angels say, why do you look for the living among the dead church? I have to ask the question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And all of us here, you know, we come out of sin or we struggle in sin and we keep looking for things that we know produce death in our life. Relationships or sex or drugs or we're trying to numb out. But we don't actually go to the source of life, life which is Jesus. And, and my question is, why are we looking for the living among the dead? In verse, verses 9 through 11, of course, they, they leave them. If you'll go to our website, we actually have some scripture verses that you can meditate on this week. We actually have as well a link that you can see the four gospels put together so that you can see how this played out. Because Luke is just one of them. So you can see how it all played out. Nine through 11, the, the women went and told the disciples. And of course, the guys didn't listen. It sounded like nonsense to them. Any women know any men that don't listen well? I'm going to come over to this side. 
So the men can't, oh, let me tell you this. So my wife, a couple of days ago, uh, texts me and says that a snake was chasing her from our front yard. That sounded like nonsense to me. And the second thought was, please, God, do it again so I can watch it. <laughs> oh, It's true. So they can't fathom this reality, right? That, that, that Jesus has come back. It sounds like nonsense. But how many in our own spiritual walk does certain things sound like nonsense to us? Like we're not listening or we're critical. We're disbelieving. Maybe we protect our heart from hope. We don't want to be disappointed. So I'll believe, but I'll only believe so far. Because if my heart has to be engaged, I'm not going to do it. It's too good to be true. And I I find similarities. I, I look at scripture like this, but I go, this plays out every day and every week in our personal lives. You may walk away from this message and not remember hardly anything. And then you start looking on social media and there's a a scripture from Luke 24, maybe verse five. And then all of a sudden somebody contacts you, uh, texts you and says, for some reason, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray and tell you, don't look for living among the dead. And there are these patterns to God and he keeps bringing it similar, uh, similar patterns just like this to us. Don't you remember what I've been telling you? And he does this in patterns and he's trying to get our attention. God had already told them what was going to happen and now they're seeing it. How do you handle something that sounds crazy spiritually? What about something that does not fit within the frame of reference, reference spiritually? So for a long time, I was a Christian. I got saved, but I could not understand a loving father. Now, I understood an angry father, a distant father, a father that could reject, a a father that could criticize, but I could not understand a loving father. I knew it in my head. I couldn't understand it in my heart. That's that's me going, I want to believe it, but I don't know that I can believe it. Some of you guys are new to good news, and we are a Pentecostal church. We do operate in the gifts, but some of you guys probably were raised to say the gifts stopped. The gifts haven't stopped. As a matter of fact, it's it's part of our normal way that we minister and worship. And and Terrence is an example of that. That was a word from the Lord. And it has played out just like the Lord had said. And so that frame of reference, some of you guys may not believe in healing. Or maybe you don't believe that God can restore your marriage. Or maybe you don't know that God can resurrect dead things. And so you've almost said, well, I guess that's over. And I'll have to deal with this issue or these issues with my life. Because that's done. But God is the God of the resurrection. Jesus is the living hope of our lives. With him, all things are possible. So verse 12, we get to Peter and Peter hears this news. And again, Peter is is the guy that I would love to hang out with. He is is loud. You would hear him before you saw him. Right? He was a guy who... uh, Probably laughed loud and talked loud. And he was the one who swore he was going to change the world. Right? He was the guy that first recognized that Jesus was Messiah. Was Lord. He also was the guy that walked for a little bit of time on the water. There's only been two water water walkers that I know of in scripture. Thank you. I'm from Alabama. You're going to get a lot of that. 
And, and he was one of them. And you guys, I told you that if I would walk on the water, I would have had a full arm tattoo. I would tell, I would have cards that said water walker. God's not going to allow me to do this. I even, I was thinking about this. I, I would even have my own license plate and it would be W-T-R-W-L-K-R, water walker. So Peter was this out there kind of guy, but he was also the one that said, I'll never betray you. I'll never, even if everybody else does, I'll never betray you. So inside, he's got to be dealing with shame, rejection, failure. And part of him is going, can this be real? I've got to go see if this is real. Is there a possibility that he could be alive? And he gets to the tomb and he looks inside and he looks at the the linens that they had wrapped Jesus, the remnants of what was left. And God, God, God can, can church. I need you to understand this. God can deal with the remnants of your life. The stuff that seems to have fallen off the, the, the stuff that seems to have fallen apart, the stuff that you can't seem to make sense of. God can deal with it. Romans 8, 28. We, we know this scripture verse. We talk about this scripture verse. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That does not mean that all things are good. In life, you're going to experience bad things. In life, you're going to experience difficult things. But from those things can something good come. I can remember getting the diagnosis that Caleb was a diabetic. And I can remember Carissa had a, pre, uh, a pre-planned trip and she went to Florida and I remember just sitting on the couch. It was like I got punched in the gut. And I knew God was good, but how are we going to handle this situation? And Caleb has handled it like a champ because he takes after his mom <laughs> and he's done incredibly well. But in the impossible situations, we serve A God that through Jesus Christ produces a living hope. We have a living hope in Christ. I see some things as we step back and we look at the passage. And I look at our culture and I look at church culture. And I look at the the culture uh, in our world and in our city. And and I look at it and I go, I I see patterns and tendencies from, from this text. The women were going to... To carry spices to cover the stench of death, right? And I see people who live their lives and they're dressed up and they spray on cologne and they look nice and they smell nice, but on the inside, death is raining. And they present their best on social media and they present the life that they want everybody to think they live, but their life is falling apart in private. And I, I, I have to ask, why, why do we do this? Because if we really want to be whole, if we really want to be healed, we have to bring it to the surface and deal with it. Talk about it. This is what the church is supposed to be about. This is what family is supposed to be about. Is that through honest and authentic relationships, we talk about the things that we don't want to. But the Bible says, confess your sins one another that you may be healed. Also look at the resurrection. I go back to the question that the angels asked. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And if we're honest, 
How often are we looking for something in things that don't produce life? And we, we pursue it and chase it because we really think something outside of us is going to solve what's broken inside of us. And that's the place where Jesus is actually supposed to come in. And it, as he comes into your heart, as he begins to renew your life and transform it, the other things outside of you begin to change. But it is an inside-outside job. And I look at Peter, and I look at him looking. In my mind, I see him looking at the linens, at the remnants left over. And I know there's a lot of people, in, in whether they call themselves Christian or not, there's atheists and agnostics, and they wrestle with the historical evidence of Jesus and they ask these questions and I don't know if they're trying to find answers or they're trying to find hopefully no answers so they don't have to deal with their issues. But all of us have to wrestle with Jesus, the cross and the resurrection and we have to ask the question, what does this mean? I cannot but believe that there are so many like Peter that you're struggling in your faith. And you wonder, is it really true that there's hope for this situation? Or there's hope for me? Or there's hope for my family? And I put this in my notes because I, as I was praying, I just felt like this is what the Lord said. Some Christians are giving up too soon on something God desires to bring life to. And you, you, have, you have said it's too late, it's beyond hope, this is broken, it won't change. And God is wanting to bring through Jesus his resurrection power to that area. Here's what I would tell to atheists or agnostics or those that are seeking. Not, I love atheists and I love agnostics. I love talking about it. Your, your doubts don't change my faith. What I would tell you though is if you really want the answer, you don't tell God, prove, prove it to me. God is not going to jump for anybody. All right. But what he'll do is if you change your words and you go, if you really want to know, God, would you reveal yourself to me? He'll answer that prayer. But do you have the guts? Because isn't that what it comes down to? Do we really want to know that God is alive and he's real and he demands everything from us? God is a God of living hope. So what would I say if somebody were to look at my life, I'm dead and gone and they were to find out about Jason Carter, not Jason Carter, the pastor, but Jason Carter, what would they say? What would I want them to know? And I was thinking about this, just like if they were to look at the remnants of my life, what would they say? What would they find? And I could, I could say, I could tell stories. You know, we've got a whole box that we have at home full of testimonies and answered prayers and words that people have given that have come to pass and things that God has done, healed our daughter. All these things are fantastic. Would I share those? That's not the remnants I want you to know about. Would it be that I point you back to the beginning stage when I accepted Christ or maybe go back a little bit further and I, I unpack my shame and I unpack my life and I talk about all that I wasn't and all the things that I did wrong. Would, would that be where I take you? And how God has ordered my steps and transformed and changed me and how he's met me and healed me and restored me, all those things. Is that what I would share? It's not. Those are great things. So what would I share? 
I would want you to know that he loves you. That God is love and he is so fiercely after us. That he's not disappointed by you. He's not frustrated by you. He's not, he's not pulling away from you. That's why he sent his son to die for our sin. He is after us. He calls after us. He, he is somebody that stays faithful to us when we're not. He calls to us and he goes after us when we go astray. This is the God that I want you to know about. He's the God that I have found to be faithful and loving and consistent and after me and keeps pulling me. He doesn't wait for me to finally come to a decision. He comes after me. And that's the God that I serve. On your worst day, that's who God is to you. What, do you, what would Peter say? He's the guy who is at the tomb. He is the guy who has all the questions. He's the guy that sees the remnants of Jesus or the, the linens left over. And he's asking the question, what does this mean? Let's go to 1 Peter 1.3. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I love these words because a man who had questions found the answer in Jesus. Biblical hope is a strong and expectant expectation of God. I hear all the time culture talk about, well, I hope it happens. What they're saying is, I wish it would happen. But you can find in Christ a biblical, steadfast, strong hope. I wrote this um, many years ago. It was something that I put down on paper. And this is probably uh, at the time I met Carissa. And uh, this was my prayer. Because I was just, I was a mess. I was a mess. And I said, I would rather be considered. I, I would rather be considered a fool in the eyes of man. If I could be considered a man of faith in the eyes of God. And when I, when, I, when I wrote that or when I prayed that, I was a million miles from that. And I'm just telling you, God is, has been so, it is not because of work ethic. It's, it's because of the transformational power of Christ in us through the Holy Spirit. And regardless of where you find yourself, regardless of whether you look at a situation or a, a family member, or you look at something going on, the power of God to bring life to it is our hope. It is our hope. Jesus is our hope. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I love the fact that we've got guests here. I love the fact that we've got people that maybe you don't attend church often. And this is why we do this service. This is an incredible opportunity for you to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He loves you. He died for you. He he is near to you even now. And some of you guys, God's been dealing with your heart as you've been listening to the message. Or maybe it's been for weeks and months, maybe even years that he's been calling out to you. And if there's anything that we can do in this service, it's to let you know that Jesus Christ loves you, died for you, believes in you, and wants to bring healing, restoration, and be the Lord and Savior of your life. If you know that is you, 
that you're wanting to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to raise your hand. Don't wait. Lift your hand if that is you. See that hand. See that hand. See that hand. I 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 want to tell you that Christianity, you can put your hands down. I want to tell you that Christianity will cost you everything. It means he's not going to allow you to go after dead things anymore. He wants to bring life to you, transformation to you, healing to you. He wants to reveal his love to you. He wants to change you from the inside out. And the hurt and the anger and the frustration and the abuse, he wants to change. He wants to heal. And it is a process. This is not an instantaneous thing. But when you accept him as Lord and Savior, you are seen as forgiven. You are seen as clean. You are seen as his. You don't have to ever work for that. Ever. And on your worst day, he is always the same toward you. Because he is so faithful. And he is so good. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. As we close, we want you to know that Jesus is the living hope. He is a living hope. And if you raised your hands, I know this this becomes really uncomfortable. We don't do it for show. We do it very specifically. We're going to ask people to come forward because we want to pray with you. But then we want to connect you. We want to give you some information. We want to get you into a class. As a church, we want to come alongside you because we want you to grow in the faith. For the rest of your life, you're going to discover who God is and who you are because of it. And we want to help you do that. So if you accepted Jesus Christ this morning, I want you to come forward and I want you to come to the front. Come on, step out. Somebody's got to be the leader. So if that was you, come on. And there's more. But for right now, we're going to celebrate this young lady as she gives her heart to the Lord. For all of those who heard the message, and you know God's going to continue bring, continually bring this up to you. He's going to speak to you in your private times. He's going to speak to your heart. When you lay your head on the pillow, He's going to come after you because He loves you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. And so you're going to find that He is... What was it? I can't remember if they said the pit bull of heaven or something. He just goes after people. Because He loves you. And you're going to find that he's going to whisper to your heart for the weeks and months to come until you give your life to him. He's so good, y'all. He's so good. Can we celebrate one more time?
Lord, I pray that you would bless us and keep us, that your face would shine upon us. God, I pray that every single day we wake up and in our hearts we know there is a living hope in Jesus Christ. Nothing is impossible. You're the God of the resurrection. That means the dead things in our life. There's hope for them as well. We pray your blessings over this church and over this church family. God, help us to touch the world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Make sure you shake hands. Make sure you hug somebody's neck. Make sure you share the hope of the gospel this week. God bless you guys.